So I sit, so I sit down and cause I can't, I can't get on my knees with my prosthetics the way they bend. So I have to sit or stand or prone and there's no prone cause it was so thick. So I sat down, I put, put the rifle on a tripod on a triclops and I started getting ready, getting set. Ryan, Ryan G's next to me in ranging. He's like, Hey, 220 yards. So I'm dialing in my mills and everything and I'm getting set and I see, see the Ram and I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't think that's the big one. And they're like, yeah, I don't think that's the big one. That was the middle one. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, he's got some good curl length to it. He's a real nice length and everything. He is a little lacking on like the base. And I'm dude, this is my first time hunting sheep. So I'm like trying to act like I know what I'm looking at, what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was looking at this. I'm looking at this Ram through the scope at 220 yards on the base of the hill. And I'm thinking to myself just earlier today, I'm looking up 800 feet in the air and thinking, how am I going to climb with my freaking hands and knees up this? Both Ryan's were like, yeah, we're just going to pack you on our meat shelf. You take your prosthetics off and we'll pack you like a little baby, <laughs> baby Bjorn or wherever those things are. I was like, all right. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you, to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. All right, guys, this is seriously one of the coolest hunting stories I've had the chance to share with you on the podcast. Uh, today, I have Caleb Brewer. He's a wounded Green Beret who was gifted a Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep tag uh, at the last minute. Uh, and along with him, I have the two Ryans. I got Ryan Gentry and Ryan Smith, both active Air Force guys, um, both avid hunters who uh, who came together along with some other guys to, to help make this hunt possible. Uh, for Caleb, who's who's a double amputee in rough sheep country. Uh, honestly, the story and the way it unfolded is incredible. Uh, these guys are incredible. And, and just the camaraderie between these soldiers and what they went through to make this possible is just humbling and it just it's inspiring, for lack of a better word. Uh, so uh, there, there's a ton of links in the show notes uh, about where you can find these guys and also some of the organizations that helped make this happen. Uh, that, that you might want to think about uh, being a part of or finding a way to to give back as a hunter. Uh, so all those things are linked down in the show notes. Please check them out. And uh, now let's get to the story. Guys, good to see you. Thanks so much for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Uh, so usually, I think most of the time, I'm on here with like one person. So looking at this like screen of three other dudes uh, is just Awesome. I'm pumped to, to hear the story from like all three of your perspectives. Uh, but just to give a little like intro who we're talking to right now, uh, Ryan Smith, we'll start with you because you've been on before. Uh, just tell us who you are, a little background, and then we'll kind of, you know, popcorn around. All right. Uh, like you said, I'm Ryan Smith. I have been on the show before. I have the Hunt AZ page on Instagram. Uh, I am a 14 year Air Force vet. I'm still currently in and uh wife kids live here in tucson and uh just everything hunting man that's that's me in a nutshell love it uh we'll we'll, we'll stick with the ryans we'll go other ryan next all right what's up man uh so ryan here i am also in the air force been in 16 years uh, i do a lot of photography and writing and guiding uh and pretty much anything hunting and i'm currently living in nevada awesome and then of course last but certainly not least the actual tag holder caleb uh, tell us about yourself. Hey, Eric, thanks for having me on here. Um, my name is Caleb Brewer, and I served 11 years in the Army Special Forces before getting blown up in Afghanistan. Now I'm a double amputee, and I am addicted to hunting. I love bow hunting um, primarily, and I own an archery shop in Tucson, Arizona called Stick Sniper Archery. That is awesome. Uh, and guys, really, like I, every time a, a veteran's on, I say this, but I I can't express how much I mean it. Thank you all for your service. Uh, it really means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. So this is, uh, and just to all the listeners out there, I was just telling these guys, I really don't know much of the story. Uh, I heard the setup when uh, when Ryan first texted me, he said, hey, this crazy thing just came up. I'm going on this hunt. It might be good for the podcast afterwards. Then he texted me a picture and just said, the story is bananas. Uh, and that's all I know. I know it's a it's a bighorn sheep in Arizona, as if I remember correctly, and uh, something awesome ensued. So I don't know who wants to take the lead or kick it off, but maybe take us take us back to like how the whole thing came together, 
which from what I understand was kind of last minute and crazy. And then we'll just like move right into how the hunt played out. Well, I guess that's me then, huh? <laughs> um, so, so we're, we're here in Arizona, Arizona, there's a bonus point system. And whenever you put in for points or what do you know, wherever you put in for a draw, you get a bonus point if you don't get drawn. And then every year you rack up more points and more points. And sometimes people get a lot of points. I mean, 20, 30 points. And when you're talking about bighorn sheep hunting, it's, it's once in a lifetime here for that species. And so dudes will put in for a long time before they get drawn. It's not, it's not uncommon to be like 70 years old before you go on a sheep hunt. So it's a big deal here. And, um, if something happens, you're able to donate your point or donate your tag to a wounded veteran or a disabled kid through a nonprofit. And so that's what happened to me. So, like I said, I, I got injured overseas. And so I qualify for that program and there's a, there's a nonprofit in, um, Arizona called outdoor experience for all. And the guy, Eddie Corona donates a ton of tags. I mean, close to 600 tags a year. He facilitates to people to get out hunting. It's insane. So, um, a lot of times these tags get donated last minute. So, um, on Wednesday, November 16th, I'm sitting here at my computer and I, um, through my shop, I did a fundraiser and we raised some money for this nonprofit called Nodens and Nodens outdoors takes special ops veterans and puts them into hunting programs and gets them an archery. It's really freaking cool. And November 16th is the one year anniversary of the day that I started the shop. And I'm literally entering in my credit card information to donate this money from the raffle. And I get a call from Eddie Corona who says, Hey dude, I got a sheep tag for you. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm sitting there like, holy crap, there's no way because I, I mean, it's pretty appropriate for this podcast, but I didn't start hunting until I was, until after I got injured in 2018. Oh, wow. So okay. dude, I, I only have four points for sheep. I was like, I'm probably never going to, never going to hunt sheep in my life, but I'm going to try it. So, I'll, so I never fathomed going on a sheep hunt. And then all of a sudden this guy calls me up and says, Hey, I got a bighorn sheep tag for you. And I just kind of sat there. And he's, he's done, he's supported me before. And I've had some uh, tags from him before. And, uh, I just, I, I told him, I was like, no, I mean, I mean, I, I appreciate your generosity, but let's find somebody else that you haven't supported before. And he, he's told me the equivalent of just shut the hell up and listen. And I was like, all right, <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, man. He's like, he's like, listen, the guy that has the tag is, uh, got COVID and he's two days before his hunt starts. So he's coming back in the tag is going to get burned unless you take it. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, I'm, I would love to do it. And in that case, I'm going to say yes. And so he's like, all right, the, the hunt starts in two days. The unit is 46 B West. And I was like, I have no idea where that is. It's in Arizona somewhere. I'll look it up and make it happen. Oh, and he's like, okay. And I told him I can't go out for a week. So the hunt started in two days. The following week was Thanksgiving. And then there was two more weeks of hunting after that. So I had to burn a week and a half with all the stuff I had going on for Thanksgiving. So hang up the phone. I look, get on game and fish website. I look at unit 46 B West and my heart drops because it says this is a wilderness preserve walk-in area only carry all your own water. And then I'm just like, Oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Because I can walk. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I can walk, but like a cumulative burn on my legs over time, it makes it real bad. And especially when real rough terrain. So I really didn't sleep that night. And then the next morning I called, um, the preserve. So the area is called the Cabeza Prieta wilderness. And I called them and I said, Hey, I'm supposed to call you guys for uh, a vol like a, like a welcome packet. And, you know, I told them my situation, what had happened. They're like, Oh, cool. Well, we're going to get you an exemption and we're just going to let you drive on in there and you can take two vehicles inside the preserve. And I was like, there's no freaking way. So it automatically made this hunt doable. Yeah. So then next I call a buddy of mine and said, Hey man, I need to start dialing in my rifle. And he's like, okay, I know a guy down there in St. David who has a, a mile worth of steel targets. I, I call him up and he's like, Oh yeah, I shot a, I shot a 177 inch Pope and young Ram in there five years ago. I'm going to show you exactly where to go. I'm going to drop you the pins. You know, I'm going to hook you up. So then from that point forward, it's just bam, 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 bam. Everybody, everything lined up. I mean, we literally had a week and I've never been in that unit. I've never seen a bighorn sheep in the wild. I've never hunted any sheep other than Barbary sheep. And all of a sudden we're getting everything stacked up. And so I have all these dudes that are lined up ready to help. And then that's where Ryan Gentry, Ryan Smith come in. And, uh, I talked to him. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to talk about how that happened or I'll just roll through it, but it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, Caleb texting me a picture 
of his tag and I was just like, what the heck? And uh, I didn't know that he had special access to drive in there yet. So I'm, I know that unit, you know, it's, it's, it's a unit that I've been putting in as my first choice for a long time. I've always wanted to draw it. So as soon as I saw the unit he got, I was like, well, I know he can walk. I know, I know he's capable, but man, this is going to be interesting. And then he's like, Oh, I got, I got special access. And then it, it, from that point on, I just, I was like, bro, I'm whatever you need. I'm there. I'm helping you. Like, you know, if, if you let me come, I'm coming. And you came all the way in from Las Vegas, right? Yeah. Dude, that's a good man. <laughs> then I get, so I get a text message. I think it was like nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. And he said, Hey, call me when you get a chance. And I didn't realize that I had just got the message. I thought I had just missed it. So it had been sitting on my phone for a while. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably too late. I give him a call anyways. And then he tells me the same thing he just, what Ryan just said. You know, I got this tag going on and on. And I had just, just got off of the first sheep hunt I had ever been a part of. Um, I had helped on a sheep hunt down here in 37A. And so I was like, hell, I'm an expert sheep hunter now, you know. I've been a part <laughs> of killing one sheep. That makes me a true expert. Um, hell yeah. I'm going to like, I didn't even, so at first I, I didn't even get a formal invite to go. He's just telling me that he has this tag and I start processing in my head, like, how am I going to be able to make this happen? And then I think about five minutes into a conversation, he goes, and you're welcome to come if you want. And I was like, <laughs> I was coming, whether you asked me or not, I was, like, yeah. I was, I was going to be there. So, uh, and yeah, I was the same boat as, as Caleb. I didn't know much about the unit. Uh, and like Ryan, and I have been putting in for this unit, but never done a ton of research on it. So it was, it was just kind of a, a blind date per se. So cool. So the, was it just the, the three of you guys? Was it, uh, I thought I saw a picture with a, a fourth dude behind the Ram. Yeah, we had, um, we actually had a whole crew of guys lined up. We had seven total guys that were going to come out with me, but because of work schedules and because it was super last minute, it was like some people were coming at sometimes and some people were coming a little bit later. And so um, one of my buddies, he's a retired game and fish officer, Gabe Paz. He actually came in for the first three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, until Ryan and Ryan and my buddy Jesse got in. And Jesse was the other guy you saw on the on the picture. And the, I mean, we could go. There's some crazy backstory to all this stuff. But Jesse Gregson is the one that took me on my very first hunt in 2018 in Rio in New Mexico for a barbary sheep. I've never been hunting until I got blown up. He took me on that hunt and I've been hooked ever since. And when I got this tag, I said, hey, dude, you got to come on this hunt. And he was in the middle of a coos deer hunt in New Mexico. So I had to fill out all this paperwork to get special access and like text him on my Garmin inReach and all that stuff. And he finally was able to make it. Um, and, but then, um, Gabe came because I had, and I don't know if it's worth going into on the podcast, but I had like a really bad near death experience on an antelope hunt this year when I was solo, um, it almost drowned in a flash flood. And that was back in August. And then, um, Gabe came out there. He's like, he's like, you're not going to be out there alone, alone by yourself. He's like, I know there's no flash floods, but something. So he's like, you're not going by yourself. And, um, the, the hunt itself went through December 4th, which just happens to be my birthday, which also happens to be the same day that I was blown up in Afghanistan. So it's like everybody around me walks on freaking eggshells. It's like, we're going to wrap you in bubble wrap. You're going to stay at home, yada, yada. <laughs> so it's like, there's all these little crazy coincidences that add up to it, but there is the seven of us, but the the other three guys that were going to come out or the, excuse me, the other two dudes are going to come out we tagged out before they were able to come out. So that's, that's why they ended up not being in the picture, but they, they were, they were literally like an hour from getting there on the road. Oh, they were already like mostly yeah. there. And you just texted me, hey, uh, save your gas, turn around. We, uh, we got it. I felt so bad as I was, wa- I mean, as I was walking in on that stock on the Ram, one of the main things in my mind was this guy, Ken coming in because I had an elk tag in September and the same exact thing happened where I shot an elk the night that he drove in and he only came in for the pack out. So like I'm walking in on this gigantic Ram and we'll talk about it in a minute, but like half of my mind was occupied by feeling bad that he's all the way out there. But the other half was like, I can't, I can't turn down this opportunity. Yeah. It's right there. He can, he can just, he can just keep showing up for the hard work and like, all right, here, carry this for me. (laughs) I told him, I told him he can be the good luck charm whenever he's on his way. That means I'm going to shoot something now. (laughs) Yes. He'll never actually get to hunt with you. He'll just keep (laughs) packing out your kills. I'll call him for that antelope hunt then, man. We could have got it done. (laughs) 
<laughs> he came, he came out actually, cause he was guiding some clients up there and I, I helped him get in on a couple bucks and they shot bucks opening day. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Man. Yeah. But, I re- uh, I'm, I, I want to stay focused on the sheep, but you, you say you just drop like, eh, almost drowned in a flash flood. Like, um, it, I'm super curious. Uh, is there, is there like so, just yeah, a so, snapshot of what happened there? I want to take a second and let you know a little secret about so many of the hunts I get to share with you on this podcast. Every hunt of mine and many of the hunts from guests actually began months before we ever stepped into the field on Go Hunt's Insider page. This is where I start every single one of my hunts, tracking all my points and my family's points now that I have three other hunters under my roof. And I can start to sort out what tags I can draw, which ones I want to keep building points for. And it's ultimately how I plan my year in the field. In addition to the draw odds, you get excellent maps for all 50 states, and they have just an awesome gear shop uh, where you can continually earn points to use for credit towards future gear, which, let's face it, we're all going to need. So if you sign up for an Insider membership using my code LATE at checkout, you'll get 50 bucks credit towards the gear shop right out of the gate, and let's face it, who couldn't use 50 bucks towards gear right now? You can use the link in the show notes or head over to GoHunt.com and sign up to be an insider today. Use my code late and get that credit towards new gear. I'm in, I'm in, I'm hunting, I'm hunting archery antelope unit 10. It's in August. We had record rain this year. There's freaking rain everywhere. I chased some antelope across a, a, a dry riverbed and I was waiting in an ambush position and rain came in that wasn't in the forecast. So I put my poncho over my head you know, and then the rain, it goes, goes and goes and goes and doesn't stop. And then 45 minutes later, I put my poncho, I take it off my head and there's a flash flood in this little dry riverbed in front of me. And it, I couldn't tell how deep it was. Um, but I was like, if I don't get, if I don't, if, if I can't cross this, it's like six plus miles of walking by myself in the dark, in the rain through other flash flood areas. So I was like, I got to test out the waters. And the nearest person to me was like four hours, five hours away. I had cell phone service. So I ended up trying to like get down the bank with my pack on to, to test the water with my hiking pole. Cause I use hiking poles when I'm out in the bank, turned to mud and slush. And I slipped, rode that sucker in like a slide, hit the water. And then was just like rushed down the river. And it went from two feet deep to four feet deep to like eight feet deep. And I had to ditch my pack and everything going below the water. My feet aren't touching the ground, you know, all that. And like life flashing before my eyes, it was real bad. And then the, the, the water ended up taking a turn and, um, I able, was able to feel the bank after I ditched my pack and I was able to like scrape my way off to the side, rolled off to the side, my phone. Thank God I had my phone. Cause I called search and rescue. They came and got me, it took them like two hours to get me. And, um, it was freaking crazy. My pack got stuck up on a bank. So I was able to get my keys and my bow. And then I was able to hunt for another freaking five days after that. Ended up doing like 60 foot miles on that hunt. It was crazy. Didn't get an antelope though, but it's all right. That is, that, uh, sounds like everything I would expect from a special forces guy. It was like, yeah, almost <laughs> drowned. Search and rescue came and got me. And then I hunted for five more days. Like that is Dude, awesome. They checked me out. I mean, medically they, uh, like I wasn't in shock. I didn't get bumped, scraped, bruised, nothing. I was just like, holy, I almost drowned, almost died. But then other than that, I was like, well, I'm just going to go home and sit around and be like, man, I should probably be out trying to find an antelope. So my wife was very understanding. God bless her. I don't know why and she <laughs> should have been like, get home right now. That, but uh, I ended up hunting a little more. So that I love that. Uh, good wives make uh, what we do possible. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I think my wife is super mm-hmm. cool. I'm pretty sure if I <laughs> let her know like, hey, I everything's fine. I almost died. <laughs> I, I think she'd be like, I, I need you home right now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's the history of almost dying several times there's too many stories that go into in an hour um, <laughs> your wife yeah. just ah, just another day with caleb he'll be all right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of sad <laughs> oh man uh okay sorry little tangent but i had to get to hear that um okay so sheep hunt all these guys are lined up everything came together so now it's you know first day you're able to hunt you're heading in there like how does it unfold Dude, we, so we were in the, the Cabeza Prieta and there's like, there's, there's no people in there. There's hardly any animals. It's just this beautiful, rugged, austere desert on the border of Arizona. It's down South, Southeast of Yuma. And it's like the flattest desert floor with white, like beach sand and a little creosote growing up. And then these jagged mountains just go straight up from the floor. And you know, they're like a thousand, 500, a thousand feet tall, super rocky and steep. And so 
I'd had the antelope experience and I've had all these other experiences where I just beat the heck out of my body. And I was like, all right, I got guys coming in to help me. I have road access. I'm going to just drive these roads deep into the belly of the cabeza and just look at Rams. So that's what I did for the first two and a half days with Gabe. And then what I did when Jesse and Ryan, Ryan got out there, we, uh, our intent was just to drive the roads in glass. So we, we saw like 15 or more Rams in like three days, which was awesome. Wow. Awesome for that area. Cause most people have to pack in like five miles and then they'll see a Ram, but one a day or something. So we get in there, we're seeing Rams and, and the plan was to take like an inventory. And then once the other two guys got out there, go check out a couple Rams, see if they were good. And then uh, make a plan and potentially shoot one on Sunday, which would have been my birthday, which would have been really cool. But, um, so I got out there Monday, Thursday, uh, Ryan, Ryan, myself and Jesse are our drive-in and we're seeing some Rams and we go way deep into this place called, um, the Cabezo Prieta Pass. And I remember I was driving in the front truck with Ryan Smith and I have an F-150 and there's this little wash we're driving through and there's creosote bushes and they're narrow. And I know trucks are meant to be beat up, but I'm just hearing like against the paint. It's like making me cringe. And then, so I told Ryan, I was like, dude, I think I should turn around. And then very fortuitously, Ryan was like, well, let's just keep going. Cause we're almost at the pass. It opens up and then we can turn around there. Cause we're, we've already gone this far. So I was like, all right, fine. We get to the pass and uh, I end up staying at the truck. Like I'm like, I'm planning on, I glass from the truck, Ryan and Ryan go up on a little knob and they're glassing and they, you know, if you guys want to take it from there. <laughs> Go ahead, Ryan. All right. Um, yeah, so we just walked, I don't know, what was it, maybe 100 yards from the truck, 150 yeah, yards from the truck. 200 yards or so. It's this little knob, and it was kind of funny. We were walking up there, and we were talking, and and I said to him, I was like, I want to glass something that just, like, gets us excited. Because we'd seen, at this point, like Caleb said, we had seen a handful of rams. Um, a lot of them were completely unhuntable or far. Um, we, we did, we kind of tried to stalk in on one prior to this, and we got there and he just wasn't what we were after. Um, but I just, I said to Ryan, I want to see something that like really gets us going or, or gets us excited. And we sat down, there was not a, a breeze. There wasn't a gust of wind at all. And then we sat on this knob and the wind just hit us in the back and just blew right through this canyon. And as we're getting there, we're setting up, we glad, I don't think it was two or three minutes into glassing and Oh, I glassed up three rams coming out of the bottom. So we both quickly got on the rams and we're watching them. And we're kind of, like Caleb said, we're doing an inventory at this point. And the first ram, he wasn't anything good. Then the second ram was just, you could tell he was big. And then the third ram was kind of, kind of similar to what we had been seeing. So it was like, there it is. There's, there's the ram that we wanted. There's, there's what we wanted that, that jaw dropping ram. But unfortunately we're, we're watching him at this point run further and further away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's running straight up the mountain away from us. Yeah. And they had to have been right right under us when we sat down with that wind just hitting. Uh, they came right out of the bottom. Yeah, because I think that bottom was only 200 yards away. Yeah. And they had they must have been just bedded in there getting out of that breeze because the, there was just a strong wind that was just funneling through that pass, I think. But uh, like Ryan said, they just kind of took off and they weren't going – just away they were going away and up and doing sheep things um, <laughs> and it was not what we were going to be able to do i mean even even with you know able-bodied legs we weren't going to make it up into these cliffs that they were getting into yeah it's so, like bring your climbing gear kind of stuff yeah it was pretty rugged stuff man um so then ryan and i kind of packed up and went back and met caleb at the truck and I had taken video of it. I, I was able to put the phone scope up and get some video of it. And we showed Caleb what was going on. And we all agreed that that middle ram was, was something really nice. And we turned around, decided to back out and go back through all the, uh, the Arizona pinstriping on Caleb's truck. <laughs> and I think everyone that went down the side of it, he's, Oh man, I got to get this detail. Oh, I got everyone that, that screeched <laughs> on the side of that truck. He was saying he's got to go get that bumped out. But, uh, um, I mean, hell, it's a nice truck. I, I'd probably be that way too. But so anyways, we get back out and, and we're sitting there eating lunch and then, uh, kind of started looking at Onyx and was realizing that the pass that they had gone up in 
there was a slim chance, but a chance where they could have come back over onto our side. And, and, and that's typically what we we're seeing. They were coming back into the sun in the afternoon anyways. So I thought maybe they could have done that. So um, at this point, we've probably been an hour and a half or so since we'd seen those ramps. And then these guys were hanging out at the truck, just glassing around. And from where we're at, we're in this giant bowl. Like we've got mountains and passes all around us. They're just kind of separated by small little passes in between each set. And uh, so they're all glassing. And I mean, it's we're glassing two miles away to every mountain range. And uh, so I decided I'm going to hike back across the desert. And like Caleb said, super flat. The, uh, the biggest pain in the neck with that was your feet would just all of a sudden sink in. Like you'd find these random holes and just sink into the desert floor. But uh, so I decided to go back and glass that pass where I thought they may have come over. And like I said, I probably hiked in a little over a mile. And just as I get there, I get a phone call. Like I did, I was just, I was like, I'm used to coos glassing then where I don't take a chair or anything. But I'm like, <laughs> I've got a chair. I'm going to go sit. I'm going to be comfortable. I've got a, you know, everything. I'm just going to be comfortable glassing for the once in my life. <laughs> now, as soon as I get to that, like mile, mile and a quarter, Caleb calls me. And then I think Ryan had picked up some sheep. So I'll let him take it from there. All right. I think most hunters can relate to this, that I'm an absolute information junkie and I've lost more hours than I care to admit diving down a research rabbit hole. And because of that, I love a good online course. that's going to take me on a deep dive into whatever topic has captured my attention Usually it has to do with hunting. So when I learned about outdoor class, I knew it was going to be something I was way into. I just didn't realize it was going to be as next level awesome as it is. Outdoor class is the e-learning platform for the outdoorsman. It has a top-notch lineup of the most reputable voices in the industry sharing their vast knowledge on all things hunting on one amazing platform. Ever want to learn how to elk call? Outdoor class has you covered. Freezer full of deer meat? Outdoor class will show you how to turn that into a meal to remember. When I first signed up, I started diving into Remy Warren's course on finding mule deer. Absolutely next level. And they have the web-based course and a mobile app to boot, so you can up your hunting game no matter where you're at. The platform is already packed with tons of amazing content, and I've been talking to the guys behind this, and there is so much more in the works from big names in the industry that I'm super pumped about. So head over and check out Outdoor Class today, and if you use the code LATE at checkout, you'll save 20% on your registration. Yeah, so uh, Caleb and I were just sitting in chairs. Um, I don't know, remember what we were talking about. We were talking about something. Uh, I had just eaten some sandwiches that Jesse made us and chilling. And I looked at one of the far ranges, pretty far away. Uh, I'm using 1556 as the glass. And I'm like, man, I see a ram right there in the very bottom. So I look again, get Jesse over there with the spotter and look again. I was like, man, that's a ram we probably should go, should go look at. Uh, or at least get to where we're we're closer I mean he was way far off I said we can drive this road a little bit further and and uh check him out better in the spotter and at least see if he's worth walking over there for um so we get get back in the trucks and we go down the road about oh I don't know probably half a mile we pick Ryan up from walking back from his little knob that he was trying to get to (laughs) And we start glassing again, and, and I can't find this ram again. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know what happened. He was literally right here. He was right by that tree, um, just kind of right on this rock, not really doing anything. And we were now, we were kind of like right, right straight. You know, if we look straight north, uh, we could see where he was at. And then uh, we realized that right below where I had seen that ram, there was three three rams bedded in a tree right on the desert floor, like, literally in the sand uh so we got spotters on them and realized one of them was was actually a pretty significant looking ram uh and then after looking at all three rams we realized those are the those are the three that we busted out of the canyon when we sat down to glass Um, so yeah so we were looking at them like now there's no way that's pretty far and then the more we looked at them like man now that that's me and ryan both were like that's gotta be them there's no other there's no other way. So that, that other Ram that I had seen to draw our attention over there, I guess he was a fourth Ram that either they picked up on the way over or he had just been on that hillside when they got there anyway. So that's what started our attention to that area was just kind of random glassing and then seeing one Ram 
that we thought was worth a second look to only find out that there was three more Rams right there. And one of them was absolutely worth stocking. Uh, so so as, we're, as we're sitting here, I'm looking at it on my map. And from where we first picked up that Ram to where Jesse picked him up on the desert floor was 2.1 miles. Oh man. So, so that's where they, they had crossed that pass up the mountain, down the other side, and then two miles across the desert. So <laughs> they're, uh, and they I, did it quickly. Yeah. I, I'm not a, a Ram aficionado. So I don't, but that seems like a, a good amount of country to cover uh, in a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. They were spooked out pretty hard whenever we, we watched them go over the saddle initially, not spooked out hard, but you, they were moving. They weren't slowing down in there. Okay. They weren't going to stop at all. That's for sure. Yeah, man. Okay. So you, you picked them back. You've now relocated the trio. Uh, and then I assume this is where you're like, all right, we, we, we got to get Caleb on this guy or, or what, what happened at least next? close enough to at least close enough to, to really look at him again. Okay. You know, so, you know, we got to trying to play the topography in the wind and, and, uh, we were hoping to get Caleb at least, you know, a couple hundred yards so we could, we could get a really good look and say, okay, yes, this is something you should shoot or man, let's just keep taking inventory. Okay. So that's what we did next. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, it's all yeah, yours, we, man. we, we started moving in, um, on those ramps. And so they were, they were in a little cut, like the huge mountain range and all the little fingers jutting off and they're in a little cut bedded down they could probably see us because of the way the sun was shining on us. Um, but the wind was hundred percent perfect. The wind was blowing from them to us. And so we were able to make a move in and we moved, I don't know, maybe a mile or so closer to the mountain range and then kind of parallel the mountain range and dropped down into a wash bottom. So like just our heads are above and it was just the perfect, you know, real nice info infill in there. We got in real close. Um, and we were quiet because the wind and the wash covered our sound and everything. And so we get in, and I'm on the far side of the bank and we start getting set up and, uh, Jesse, Jesse on the radio says, Hey, you know, they're, they're there, they're here, they're there. He's kind of guiding us in a little bit. And then Ryan's on the glass and everything. And then, um, they start moving, which it would have been North. They started moving from their cut. So we were, I, in my mind, I don't know what these dudes are thinking, but in my mind, I was thinking they were going to start making their way up the mountain. Like we'd seen a lot of the other Rams in the afternoon. Cause this was prior on two, two or three o'clock or something like that. But it, and, and I don't know if it's because they were tired, but instead they decided to go out of their cut and just go to the next finger at the base of it and just go up a little bit and then down and then next cut and up a little bit and down. So they're kind of following the bottom side of the mountain, which ended up being perfect. And if I had known how it was going to play out, I would have freaking brought a, brought a bow and smoked him with a bow because we could have <laughs> oh done God. it and made it happen. That, cause that's, cause that's, it would have been the perfect archery um, mm -hmm. scenario right there. But so they start moving and I, they moved almost completely like in front of us. They moved a little bit from our right and moved almost completely in front of us. And Jesse's behind us spotting the, the littlest Ram ended up starting to move his move towards us. Cause he saw us and he was curious. And so Ryan or uh, ranged him at like a hundred yards or less cool. walking towards <laughs> us, which is crazy. And then the other two were kind of just a little bit up, maybe 20 feet up on the, on the foothills moving from our left to our right. So I, so I sit down and cause I can't, I can't get on my knees with my prosthetics the way they bend. So I have to sit or stand or prone and there's no prone cause they're so thick. So I sat down, I put, put the rifle on a tripod on a triclops and I started getting ready, getting set. Ryan, Ryan G's next to me in ranging. He's like, Hey, 220 yards. So I'm dialing in my mills and everything and I'm getting set and I see, see the Ram and I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't think that's the big one. And they're like, yeah, I don't think that's the big one. That was the middle one. And I'm looking at it. Mike, he's got some good curl length to it. He's a real nice length and everything. He, he's a little lacking on like the base. And I'm, dude, this is my first time hunting sheep. So I'm like trying to act like I know what I'm looking at, what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was looking at this, I'm looking at this ram through the scope at 220 yards on the base of the hill. And I'm thinking to myself, just earlier today, I'm looking up 800 feet in the air and thinking, how am I going to climb with my freaking hands and knees up this? Both Ryans were like, yeah, we're just going to pack you on our meat shelf. You take your prosthetics off and we'll pack you like a little baby, <laughs> baby Bjorn or wherever those things are. I was like, all right. Are you a new hunter or even a guy with some miles under his boots who's still just trying to figure it out? I get it. I've been there. I'm an adult onset hunter who spent the last 15 years learning how to hunt. And so I wrote the book 
How to Hunt, A Total Beginner's Guide to Hunting Big Game as the resource I wish existed all those years ago when I first started. Whether you're planning to chase elk with your bow in the west or you're hunting whitetails back east, this book will take you from knowing absolutely nothing to your first harvest. It's packed with hunting stories and plenty of those times where I royally screwed up so you can learn from my mistakes and feel better that you're not the only one. You'll leave with a sound strategy for hunting big game and have plenty of laughs along the way. Grab a copy today at latetothegameoutdoors.com slash howtohuntbook. But then I see this dude on the on the desert floor and I'm like, man, I was like, I think I'm going to shoot this ram. He's a nice ram and I would be happy having that ram, especially how it played out. So, so I'm sitting there. I got my I got my finger on the trigger, got my dialed in I'm or my mills dialed in. I'm starting to exhale. I'm starting to put a little pressure on the trigger. And then I hear stop, 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 stop. And I'm like. God, I had to like, like <laughs> it was the hardest thing to do, man. And then Ryan was like the bigger ones, 20 yards to his right. So I like, I shift a little position a little bit. I'm like, Oh, there he is. And it's 100% noticeable difference between the mass and the size and his body shape and everything. You're like, that's a good Ram. He's old. He's mature. He's big bodied. So, so I start to shift and then he kind of steps off and I can't see him again. So we're on the far side of the wash. We got to get to the near side where it opens up. So I have to get up and Ryan grabs the rifle and the tripod tripod for me. And I'm trying to go as fast as I can on prosthetic legs through soft sand. Yeah, I felt bad, it. man. I oh, was like, dude. should I just pick you up and carry you? Like you probably could have. There's actually one part in the video because I was so Ryan Gentry was with Caleb the whole time. And I was running the camera and the binos off the side. And there's actually one part in the video where I'm like, Ryan. You're gonna have to just pick him up, man. You're gonna have to pick him up to move him. Let's go. We gotta go. <laughs> it probably would have been better because I did like some crazy parkour where like I tripped over a bush and did like this sideways roll and then ended up like sitting on the ground. It was I mean, I didn't plan it, but it worked out pretty good. And so Ryan sets down the tripod. I get back on the tripod and I start looking at him and I'm like, damn, there's a crease up my way. So I have to scoot on my ass all the way across a little bit to get a view get him in line i think ryan ranged him at like 220 or 215 or something like that yeah little trigger and then yeah so and then very shortly after that we had a dead freaking ram and we're just like sitting there and and i was thinking about it today i was like when you get into that situation where you have like your target your animal on your side everything you've worked really hard for like the entirety of the world just shuts out everything's gone and i and i was seeing that because I didn't have any ear protection at all. I had zero and, and I don't, I didn't have any ringing or anything because my body, like my brain shut my ears off. It was just like, shoot. And so I didn't have any ringing. It didn't hurt my ears. But then all of a sudden it was like, you came out of a fog and then you start thinking about everything that's around you. And then all of a sudden we're like, Holy crap, this just happened. It was, it was nuts. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Man. So what was it like? Walk, like you, you get to walk up on it, put your hands on it. Like, Mm-hmm. first first sheep first like mm-hmm. I, I, what if i know that not to get all like touchy-feely but like what what's that moment like dude it one uh, actually one of the things that stands out to me is this sheep was maybe maybe 10 or 15 feet off the floor on this real gradual slope and the rock was just this sandpaper granite that flipped off when he stepped on it and i was tripped i tripped like three times just trying to get 15 feet up there and so i'm thinking to myself Oh my God, if I had to go up there, it would have been a nightmare. But that's, that really stands out to me um, because like everybody has their sheep hunting story and the sheep hunting, is, it's difficult. You're struggling, you're going on these cliffs and you're going up and down and you're tired and your back hurts. And I'm like, dude, I walked less than three miles on this hunt. It was one of the easier physical hunts I've ever had because of how perfectly things planned out because I've beat my body up pretty hard on um, the past couple of years of hunting and bow hunting, but like walking up to it, man, I was, I was in 100% shock. Like I'm just looking at this thing and it, it's like this king of the desert and, uh, you know, thinking about the dudes that helped me to get here. And, um, I just, I don't, I, I didn't really have any words. I just sat there. Like, I think there was like multiple times where it literally almost brought me to tears because we walked up to this thing. And the first thing that stuck out is, is one of his horns has like a, it's like a six inch by four inch giant chip, like a, probably a one inch deep chip. That's just completely gone. And then one side's broken off and there's just like gouges and holes out of his horns and there's scars on his face. And I'm like, dude, I felt that like in my bones, like that was me because 
just beat up and broken and still going after it. And I was like, I just sat there and I was just like, holy crap, man. It was, it was crazy. Wow. Dude, that's so, that's, that is really meaningful. Really awesome. Uh, I said, was there anything crazy about like cutting them up, packing them out or like, man, um, we took a lot of good pictures cause Ryan is a photographer, so which is awesome. But, um, if I, 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 the whole time I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how would I do this by myself? Cause I had Jesse ended up linking up and so, so there's three guys helping. And I was like, I don't know how I would have done this because I couldn't physically drag him to the ground where, from where I was at without it being like really dangerous for me falling over and stuff. And so I, those guys had to like help drag him. And even two guys that are completely capable, it was really difficult to get that thing down. And so I was just thinking to myself how lucky I was to have them there. And if I, I mean, I was like, I would have just had to cut him up in this little hole and piece and, you know, had to just figure out how to get it done. But once we got him onto the bottom, it was just perfect, a perfect flat spot to do both sides, cape him, take all the meat and set it up on a rock. And do I remember like, and I, I was watching these guys and they were tripping on this rock. And I was like, there's no way I could have done this on my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it it seems like every time we stepped on it, it just, the rock would crumble or a boulder would break off of it. I think there was actually one, like a boulder was like about to land on Ryan's foot. And uh, we were able to get it out of the way before it smashed his foot. It just kept crumbling into these pieces and it, it made it quite difficult. And like he said, we only had to gain like 15 or 20 feet in elevation over the 220 yards that the shot was. So, I mean, it was pretty, pretty damn flat, but those boulders got you, man. Man. Yeah. It was, the coolest part was just watching Caleb walk up to it. Uh, yeah. Cause you know, you're, you're sitting there. I, I've killed a lot of barbary sheep and you know, one day I'll draw a big horn tag and I can't wait for it. Uh, but you know, you, you're processing through that all in your head thinking like, what you know, what would you do if you're walking up to it? And I'm just sitting there just watching him. Now, of course I'm, I'm taking as many pictures as I can of him walking up to it. Um, but just seeing his reaction was, was really cool. Uh, just, just kind of watching him put his hands on it and like, you could see the wheel spinning and everything processing in his brain that, holy crap, you know, cause he knows the significance of shooting a sheep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause a few days prior, you know, he's in the same boat as the rest of us that, yeah, maybe one day we'll, we'll draw a sheep tag. Um, so it was like really cool to see, you know, that a guy finally just be right there with a the dude as he finally puts his hands on a big horn. Uh, cause that's, it's like a, you know, a mythical thing that we all dream about that, you know maybe one day it'll be our turn dude yeah that my my father-in-law is in his mid to late 60s and has been putting in his whole life and has yet to draw the tag like that's just the way it goes so yeah. what a killer opportunity um man there there's so much that happened uh and i know sheep hunting is like at least in in arizona is this super rare thing so there's not a ton of guys like out there doing it but it, whether it's about sheep or even just like hunting in general, any like takeaways or something that might help another hunter uh, that, that that came out of this that that you think might be beneficial. I, uh, I mean, I had a I had a week to wrangle everybody and learn as much as I can about sheep in this unit. But the the biggest thing that helped me out was were the people and I, you know, like, say you go on a deer hunt, you know, you're deer hunting near, near town. You can go out and just, you know, hunt deer and kind of like blunder around if you don't know what you're doing and learn. But since sheep hunting is like a once in a lifetime experience like that, you have to rely on people that uh, know what they're doing. Even if it's, even if it's just a small amount more than you or a large amount more than you, it doesn't matter. So what, I, what I did is I reached out to everybody. I went on Instagram and started messaging people that had, sheep hunting outfits or people I'd seen them post pictures. I talked to both these dudes because I know they had both hunted sheep. Ryan Smith had hunted bighorn. Um, Ryan Ginger, I don't know if you'd hunt bighorn. I know you hunt a lot of sheep. I had been on one other prior and that's it. Yeah. So, so yeah. both these guys, dudes had significantly more experience than me. And then I just, I, I started Googling everything I could about looking at how to score a sheep. What do you look for? Do you look for mass, length, broomed off body positioning, all this stuff. And, uh, what it is, is that people help you out. Like you can go do it yourself and do it solo, whatever. But I think hunting is about the community and the tribe aspect. And so it's paramount to take your time and to look at sheep. Cause it's, I mean, 
you say you've never like me, you've never shot a big horn. You've never seen a big horn before in real life. You go out there and you're like, Oh my God, I see a big horn. This is amazing. I'm going to go shoot it. And you shoot one and it ends up being a really young Ram or something. And you're like, okay, it's over, but it's hard to take your time and to really look at these things and, and, and get good angles. Everybody told me to look at them from all angles and look at as many possible sheep as you can, it's because you want to get something that you're happy with. And that may not necessarily be a huge inches score. It could be uh, something, a unique characteristic. It could be how the hunt played out. Like for me, it could be an H class, you know, it's, it's unique to everybody. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the inches. Yeah, dude, that's, that's so well said. Do you, I mean, it's not all about scores or numbers or anything, but like, did you score them? Do you know what he, for people that do know sheep, like, do you know how big he was? Yeah, we, uh, we scored him at one sixty three and seven eighths. So he's a, He's, a, he's got 15 and a quarter inch bases, which is really good. Pretty big, big old bases. Um, he could have been, he could have been longer in his heyday or he's broken off and missing a bunch of stuff. He could have been closer to 170, but just for me, it was like, it's the second I turned the scope and I looked at him and saw the character, everything about him was like, this is, this is the target. This is what I'm going to go after. And we, we even hesitated there for a little bit. Like we kept looking at him and, and you know, I said, well, just, just give me a second. Let's keep looking at him. Like, we've got time you know and and ryan and i both had gone back and forth like ah what do you think and i knew looking at him and because i I mean we're at this point we're 200 yards i'm looking through 15s and so i'm getting really good looks at him like man i don't i think he's right on that cusp but because we had talked and me and caleb were were, you know he he was looking to hit kind of that 165 to 170 and with all the intel he'd been given what was there and not so much chasing score but you know just chasing that that class of ram that like Caleb said, you're only going to hunt this one time. You don't want to go out there and shoot a really young ram. And, you know, it, it kind of, it's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to hit, you know, a, a certain mark of, of class of ram, uh, whether score or age or whatever. Um, but we're looking at this and I'm like, man, it's right there on that cusp. I think, I think it's like right there. I'm not so sure. And then we just kept, but the more I looked at it, the more I'm like, man, that's the mass on that thing. And you can tell he just, he's just old. Like he's just got that. He's that, he's a mature Ram, like really. And I told, finally told Caleb, I was like, it's all you, man, whatever, whatever you, it's your decision. You shoot him. You know, <laughs> you, you, if you feel comfortable, you shoot him. And, uh, he shot and when we got up to him, I was like, Oh man, this thing's a dinosaur. <laughs> this is an old Ram. <laughs> and we couldn't, so, Oh, go ahead, Ryan. No, you're, you're good. You're good. I was just gonna say, and, and like Caleb said earlier, we, the opportunity, the way it just, it played out and it was, it was right there on the desert floor. It's not like we had to climb a hundred feet or 800 feet to go get this thing. It was right there. And he was all broken up. He was an old warrior. Like this Ram was meant for Caleb, man. Absolutely. Yeah. When we walked up to it and it was, there was all four of us were silent. And like, we were letting Caleb just kind of soak it in. And I want to say one, I don't think it was the first thing he said. One of the first things he said was, this is my, like, this is me as a ram. Like, look at, he's all broken up. He's got scars. He's all, he's just a battle dude. And I, I loved how Caleb just kind of took that in and made that connection with that ram as soon as he put his hands on it, man. And and like he said, the score, who cares about the score? It ended up being a great ram. Um, 163 is is not a, you know, it's not a bad ram. It's, it's awesome. And uh, what did he go? He's like 10 years old, I think. The biology mm-hmm. said kill. Yeah, so I mean, more. he had the H yeah. class too, which was perfect. Yeah, and that's that's rare to get that old down there in that unit. I've heard, I've got a couple of buddies who have killed sheep in that unit, and they they were saying how impressive it was to take, because most of them are seven or eight years old, and to take one ten years old was was pretty cool. Yeah, been on that mountain fighting other rams for for a decade. <laughs> the, the chips and the scars showed it, man. Man, so cool. What? Gosh, I. This is one of I no disrespect to previous guests on the podcast. This is one of my favorite stories. I love so much about this. Um man, guys, think I I could really just sit here and like ask questions and like pick it pick it apart all night, but uh but I want to be respectful of your time. Uh guys, what can uh I mean just kind of like round the horn uh where can people find you? What do you want to point them to? Uh maybe uh, you mentioned the organization that helps set this up. Like I'll put links to all that stuff, but uh uh, you know, Caleb, if you want to r- remind people what your bow shop is, mm-hmm. like this is your chance. Just tell people uh, what you want to promote, where where you want them to find you. Yeah. I'm, um, so the first thing definitely is outdoor experience for all. 
headed up by Eddie Corona. And they're the guys that um, they facilitate tag transfers to disabled veterans and disabled kids in Arizona. Super awesome organization. They do a lot of good in the community. Really, really support them. They're the ones that have, you know, set me on this road. But um, as far as the archery shop goes, so we're down in Tucson, Arizona. I own a stick sniper archery um, pro shop. We got sales service range. It's a really good place. And uh, if um, you're over there, just want to shoot. I'm there a lot and we got some really good dudes working there. So there's that. And then we're um, the shop is on Instagram and Facebook as stick sniper archery. And then myself, I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram under CK Brewer. I'm doing most of my stuff on there. So awesome. Um, the Ryan's. Yeah, I'll go for it. Uh, like I said, I have the hunt AZ page on Instagram. Uh, and a lot of it, I base, I try to base that page around community. Uh, and, and I think without a, an awesome tight knit hunting community, this wouldn't have happened. You know, things like this doesn't, don't happen. So when, when these things come together and I hear other stories, cause people ask me uh, for advice or who to reach out to for this. And I tell them, and then when I hear it all comes together, uh, it's awesome. So if anybody has any questions regarding Arizona hunting, whether it's regulations, uh, I don't, I don't give out spots because whether it's my spot or not, um, it's somebody else's. So I don't send you out to different spots, but I can answer a ton of questions on regulations, um, what to expect when you're hunting here, um, outfitters or pro shops or whatever direction I need to send you in. But again, you can find me there. That's hunt underscore AZ on Instagram. And then I'm finally catching up with the times. And I started a YouTube channel for the Hunt AZ, um, which this video will be on there. Uh, and then just trying to play the social media game and, and like I said, keep people tight knit. So awesome. Yeah, and then I, I'm just on the old Instagram. Uh, it's ryan.the.creature, uh, old deployment call sign. So I just rock it because <laughs> love it. it's cool. Uh, but yeah, I just post a lot of my photos and hunting trips and stuff like that. That's about it. But that's where I'm at. Sweet. And, and you're a like photographer, do all that kind of stuff? Like, Yeah, I do a lot of the freelance photography and some writing for a couple of uh, bigger publications. And then I actually uh, do a lot of guiding back home in New Mexico. Okay. Awesome, man. So all things hunting. Yes. Uh, guys, I'll, I'll put links to all that stuff, but, uh, but to those listening, like go, go check that stuff out. Give them a follow, uh, definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel so we can see the, the film of this when it comes out. Um, I'm stoked for that. And, uh, guys, again, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your time. Uh, and, uh, to the listeners, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to hunting stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.